listening to the Food Talk Show. Hi there, my name is Sue Nelson and for the next 30 minutes or so we're going to be talking about all things food. I'm joined by my lovely fellow presenter, who actually is a touch grumpy this afternoon, Ollie Lloyd of Great British Chefs. Hi Ollie. No, not grumpy, just... You said, jump, you said you were grumpy because you haven't had any gin today. Well, no, Kate, we, we had a run where we sort of kept having, you know, gin producers on. And we, we're, now into, we're now into the world of snacking, which, you know, yeah. delivers okay. different, different okay. levels of happiness. That's okay. Um, are you, you're quite fit, aren't you? Do you, you cycle everywhere? and? So I uh, have a couple of bikes um, and I bike my son to school every day, which is um, from Highbury to Hampstead. Um, I, will, I, will, I will come clean. That How I, many it's miles a, It's a that? massive hill in it, so I have a, a kicker on it electric bike so it's it's like part exercise part not we have to when i turn off the 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 kicker part of it it the thing weighs a ton right what um, we'll do is it's got a it's got a massive on battery on it yeah. so when i occasionally take overtake other dads they're like god you're so fit oh no you're cheating it's generally yeah. the way the conversation goes so, so how many miles is that every morning then roughly it's about 25 minutes so it's probably i don't know what the mileage is actually about four or five miles probably something like that yeah um have you ever done an iron man no, I have to say. Do that you know is, what an Iron is, Man is? Yes, it's something that people who um, are insane yeah, who do. Need, yeah. Who need serious well, help? Basically, do. it's a hundred and twelve-mile bicycle ride, mm. and there's mm. swimming, and, and not an electric bike. No, that's pretty banned, isn't it? Two point four miles swimming. Yeah, that's a long way. And a marathon. Yeah. So that's all in one go, mm. and you're sitting next to Joe Taylor, who's who's an Iron Man. Hello, Joe. Hello. Hmm. See, that's sure. what you need to look like, Ollie. Yeah, I know. I know. I, know. <laughs> I just, yeah, a previous life maybe. or a different life. Can, can I say a big caveat? A previous life for me, yeah. pre three children, uh, pre being, pre my own business. So, uh, okay, uh, no but back in my twenties, it was, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. And, and how, how do you train for that? Did you actually enter competitions or? Yeah, I, I, I was never competitive, so it's something I did recreationally. Um, hang, on, hang on, can we stop you there? I was never competitive. I mean, like. The fact of doing an Ironman is competitive. Like, yeah. <laughs> you may not have been professional, but you were yeah. definitely competitive. A lot, there's a lot of persistence, I think, and bloody-mindedness yeah. of uh, getting myself around it, having taken on the challenge, um, for sure. Yeah, I, I. How many did you do? Uh, so I did one full Ironman, so the, um, uh, the, the full description there, and then um, the two years after that I did a, a couple of half Ironmans, and then, um, yeah, things like getting married and having children started to get in the way of... The uh, ten to fifteen to twenty hours a week of training that that, that wow. was requiring twenty yeah twenty hours of training to fit that in. Well, I could actually, but I'm definitely not going to. Um, yeah, I mm. yeah I don't know how one fits in exercise unless you're bicycling ever. It's you know it's like you know if, if you're not entrepreneur, it's mile, quite complicated. One hundred twelve mile bicycle ride, then a marathon afterwards, mm. two and a half mile swim. No, I think yeah, mm. I think on a good week, I remember I used to do about a hundred k biking around London. That was kind of like my sort of commuting mm, weeks this is on a this is on a hot day though yeah. so at the time when you were doing that you you had been working at Kellogg's and Heinz hadn't you well actually this was this is 10 years ago so this was mm. even before I got into the the wonderful world of food and drink um so uh in my mid-20s I was working at IBM at the time so I was working in IT and working in commercial roles and 
was quite heavily into the running. So that's where the Ironman and the triathlon came from. As uh, I was a keen runner, and I had a friend who was a runner who also did this thing called triathlon. And basically, he wanted got a training partner, so he, it, he yeah. got me to sign up for it six months out. And then it was uh, in the diary, and you have to get yourself ready for it. And you, you, you then you've got this thing coming out. You mm. make the time for it. Um, and, you, and that was part of the best. Sorry, I was going to say, but you were in the food world, weren't you? Uh, it, at, yeah, at that, was, that was at the time when I, um, uh, off the back of completing the Ironman. Um, it did. It, it was a big event in terms of uh, you invest a lot of time in it and, and it makes you think about the things that you kind of love and are passionate about in life. So at the time when I did that, um, I was working in IT and IBM and, and had started to realize that IT wasn't necessarily my life passion. So um, I'd started um, after that experience uh, applying for every job that Innocent Drinks advertised basically for a period of about nine months and, and they eventually gave in and offered me a role. So that was my in the doors to the world of food and drink and I had a, an, an awesome three years at Innocent and then as you mentioned gone on and, and worked in commercial roles at Kellogg's and Heinz since then um, prior to starting Real Handful. So a bit like uh, Ollie you've got a, a sort of um, a foothold in the sort of bigger commercial food mm. organisations. Yeah. Um, did you I know Ollie did a little bit did you find that frustrating and, and is that part of the reason why you decided to set up on your own? I, or were you I, just yeah. stupid? Because <laughs> you've got to be a bit mad to do uh, this. Yeah, a, a little from column A, a little from column B, I'd say. Uh, I think um, Innocent w- was an incredible balance between the two. It was a company that was small but incredibly ambitious, so kind of acted like a big company, but really focused on bringing people into the business and encouraging that entrepreneurial spirit, which I think that's why there's, there's quite a saying prior to coming in, there's quite a few people who are ex-Innocent who are now out there kind of, giving things a go within food and drink and, and food and tech. Um, because that was the culture, that's what you encouraged it, to do. It yeah. cultured and it, and it gave people the confidence to go and do that. I think that was my first role in food and drink, going to Innocent. And, and I think actually I took a lot from going to the bigger companies, the the Kellogg's and the Heinz, and, and my roles there became a bit broader and you start to, you know, at Heinz, you own your own factory, so you get to go and play around in factories and understand how things are made and you see the kind of start to finish from procuring procuring ingredients through to products sat on the shelf. And, but, on, and that, but on a very, very big scale, on a different scale. On, on a, yes, yes, mm. on a very, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, uh, it makes me laugh when I think back at some of the numbers we used to work, you know, the amount of ketchup I used to sell to McDonald's when I was working at Heinz, um, relative to trial mix today. But, um, yeah. but still, you, you know, that was, that was the, um, I think, the experience at Heinz where I, I started to do broader roles was, was what gave me the confidence to, to give Real Handful a go. Um, having had that entrepreneurial experience at Innocent and seeing people getting out there and doing it themselves and growing it. And then you step back and you spend time in a big company and you understand the, 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 the kind of methodical approach that you do need but to, also to put a safe product on shelf. What they're good at and what they're bad at and what small yeah. companies are good at and what they're bad exactly, at. Exactly, yeah. yeah. I think it's, it's, one of, it's one of the interesting things, which is I think there's always that tension between entrepreneurs and the food world who go straight into doing something. They're passionate about it. They're like, I have this idea. I like jam. I'm going to make a jam. And those um, people who've spent time in the big corporates and, and learn, and there isn't, there isn't necessarily one way is better than the other way. But it, you know, I'm sure one thing probably knocks a bit of creativity out of you on some level. But actually, it does ground you in some of the processes gives you some and discipline as gives well. you discipline. Yeah. And it teaches you how do you get a listing in a major multiple? It's like it's really pretty important to understand that process and how yeah. retailers work. And in some ways, better to have people who can nurture you and teach you some of that stuff rather than taking a crack at it from scratch well with your own money and failing and trying yeah. and failing because you, you can sort of burn through that cash and run out in the end if, if you're not careful absolutely 
We we have had discussions though, Ollie, that we we do think um, even more now than ever that the bigger companies are really struggling to innovate though. They are, and I, and 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 I think that's partially because you know when you've got an enormous factory that produces ketchup for McDonald's, it's very hard to to unthink that factory. And you know, I mean, when I worked at Unilever and worked on Purcell in the days, you know, when they were still selling you know standard powders and working how to launch tablets. You know, it was like, oh my God, we're going to kill our tablet. You know, we're going to kill our standard powder factory. And you, you know, you have these massive assets that you are actually concerned about. Well, and how do they? How do they? Stuff. How do they evolve? Yeah, yeah. And so I think that ultimately, when you've got a lot of stuff being sold in a particular format, it makes it harder to completely unthink that, and think about another approach, which might, in the early days, have a worse margin, be more complicated, make all your other things fundamentally unthinkable. And so I think that's partially where they struggle. In the um, in the fifties, forties, and fifties, uh, we had a great motorcycle industry in the UK, you know, and great engineers and really good at it. And and then, basically, I think it took the eye off the ball of what customers wanted and actually just produced what was easiest in the factory, you know, great quality, all that sort of stuff. But actually, ultimately, the Japanese, and I'm this is hugely simplifying it, you know, the Japanese sort of motorbikes took over, and the, and the British motorcycle industry practically died because they lost sight of the consumer and actually were production driven as opposed to customer driven. Do you think that's where the, the, the big food companies are starting to find themselves? I, I, I look I don't I don't think you need to be, you know, any great wizard to understand that there are certain trends like reduction in sugar, reduction in plastic, etc., that are on the ascendancy. And I don't I think there are there are two issues, which is one, it's you know, to, to embrace those challenges requires unthinking a lot of your current business model. So on one level, every time you put a proposal to a board, it's like, mm, but, you know, the margin implication, shareholder expectation, I think that stuff is, there are some really quite big barriers that and stop you, you them. You don't really this. want to be on that board to make that decision, do you? Because no. it's a it's pretty scary prospect yeah. to undo all that. Yeah, it's extremely <coughs> scary. And I think, you know, it's why actually, I think probably a lot of, you know, the food companies that we talk to on this radio show will end up being acquired by those big corporations because on one level, what those corporations are amazing at is global scale. And the truth is, if you have the size of, you know, the size of distribution of a McDonald's, you can genuinely change the world. Um, and, you know, if they decide to push more salads rather you, than If you more have an burgers, extraordinary product, yeah. You, you can do it. So mm. so I'm, I'm very supportive of this, you know, that there are these incubators, I call them, of, of entrepreneurs who create amazing stuff. And... You know, I, I, you know, as, as an example, I don't think what we built in Great British Chefs could have been built within one of the large publishing companies because, you know, there are lots of barriers in to that as well. You know, you, you work fleet of foot and that's what, what makes it possible. So going back to you, Joe, mm. you, you, you left that world, but you've got a great bit of experience there. And then you've started making these um, these little snack things. What, why this? Because it's a bit of a crowded market. Yep. Um, we've got our other um, lovely guest here. Um, so I'm just going to ask you if you'd like to try some as well. Sure. Um, so Simeon, have a, have a good old uh, taste of these and we'll come come to your amazing product in a minute. Um, just just explain to us what you've got. Really colourful packaging. Saw mm. these in a shop yesterday, actually. I uh, noticed them. Why go into this area when it's pretty tough? Um, yeah, I think it... it going to open it, a packet it, here. Yeah, go, go, go ahead. For it. Yeah. Make some noise in the background. Um it's it's absolutely a competitive market. I think snacking, yeah. as you say, um, we we created Real Handful. We registered the business back in in 2013. So um, whilst we launched the business in 2016, um, 
you can look back even that period of time between 2013 and, and us bringing product to market and the healthy snacking category had already re- moved on quite a lot in that time and i think even more so in the last two years there's there's obviously been a lot of focus on alternatives to traditional confectionery and unhealthy crisps and, and that's created a, a lot of opportunity and, and, and as you're hinting out that's big companies who are helping satisfy that need but then there is a there is a whole world of, of small startups kind of bringing new ideas into that category as well so we definitely went in eyes open that that what we were doing was going to be competitive um with real handful i guess as the name suggests we uh we started that with a, a desire a kind of a passion to make um healthier snacking a little less serious so we don't take ourselves too seriously our, our snacks are are based on natural nutrition so that's our promise in every product is natural plant-based fibers proteins from the ingredients that we use in there dried fruit and nut and seed primarily. and this is from your sort of training iron man background where you're trying to get good yeah you know nutritious stuff on it while you're training exactly. yeah and, and 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 the the launch range is um that we launched back in 2016 and we've just refreshed as our, our trail mixes so we took an inspiration from uh, my experience of having trail mix over in america so i was on a a big hiking trip and and I've got a terrible sweet tooth, so, you know, whilst I've worked for companies like Innocent and I understand all the kind of, you know, the important side of nutrition, um, ultimately I, I, I love having a snack that's got a big amount of flavour to it, a big focus on flavour or that little bit of kind of permissible indulgence in it. You're a little bit keen on chocolate, aren't you? It's, yeah, basically. <laughs> so what we've got here is we've got, um, the packaging's very, very bright and colourful, which is lovely, um, and we've got a sort of a handful it's called real handful of sort of fruit nuts chocolate mix so um you've got a sort of it's not just um you know sort of raisins and nuts but you've got little bits of chocolate in there that 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 have got you know sort of flavored orange and stuff like that exactly and and, and there's a bit of good yeah yeah but a little tiny bit of naughty so what's all of those snacks are kind of 75 percent dried fruit and nuts so you're getting that natural nutrition we don't we're not doing anything to the nuts they're kind of raw raw nuts in their kind of truest form and then and then what we do is we we work with the flavour house. We kind of naturally flavour infuse those fruits. So you just add, use plant materials to just add an aroma um, and a flavour of something like espresso, something like uh, blood orange, and that just makes something like fruit and nut snacking, which you know inherently is better for you, a lot more interesting. And, and mm-hmm. that was a snack that I turned to in triathlon sna- uh, triathlon training over the quite heavy protein bars that yeah. were out in the market at the time. You, you, when you sat on the bike, you want something a little bit lighter a bit more digestible because so ollie a couple of weeks ago we had um susie on didn't we from primal pantry yeah and she was saying some very interesting things is that, that a lot of the sort of news agents and and uh, and others have got a whole row now of cadbury's and twix and and, uh, and and actually they're not really selling as much as they used to and and, uh, and are, are really sort of wondering what they should have instead and this is the sort of thing that they should be having isn't it because that's what people are looking for yeah i, th- I think everybody's everybody yeah, today you want it all. So, so you want a snack that tastes great, but you also want to kind of go away from that experience of eating it, feeling good about itself. Share a picture on Instagram with your friends. You know, kind of. I think I think there's just a much greater recognition and awareness from people of the level of kind of unhealthy and unnatural fats and, and added sugars in products. So they're, they're just very cognizant of that. It's interesting because you know, actually, in the UK, if you ask the question, and admittedly, the, this data comes from. January of 2018, and we're actually just redoing it at the moment. If you ask the question, do you agree with the following statement? I am trying to reduce the amount of sugar I take into my body. 42% of the UK agree with that statement. Mm. So it's quite a broad thing. But I think what's interesting in some ways about, you know, no disrespect to the kind of the bars versus the trail mixes. The trail mixes are quite unprocessed. Yep. 
And I think what's interesting about them from a consumer perspective is you're actually encouraging a healthy eating behavior, which is, you know, because actually you don't need a brand to, to bag things up. You know, actually, you know, in America, they're much better, I think. You know, trail mix is a very American concept. They yep. make their own trail mixes. It's kind yep. of a bit more understood. Yep. Yep. And actually, the interesting thing I think about the trail mix category is that, yes, you're a great on-the-go solution, but actually it should also be encouraging a healthy eating behavior, mm. which is making your own ones and actually yep. starting to, to play. Whereas the bars... I think are much more, you know, are much more, I use the word processed yeah. in a negative way, is that they, they are a different thing rather yeah. than their raw state. I know you're, you're a bit treating harder all that. to do, yeah. really, yeah. Have you, um, have you had a quick taste of that, Simeon? Yes. I, I noticed you finished the whole packet. You yes, didn't even I look did. up. I liked it very much. You liked um, it very much. I, I'm a fan of orange chocolate, so it was... Um, you might have to take a couple more of those home, then. It was a on me, for sure. Mm, mm. <laughs> Which, interesting, to Ollie's point, is something... We were just talking to a couple of customers in America recently, and and they hate chocolate and orange. So it's interesting when we we look at we've tried to execute trail mix for a UK audience. They have no taste. No, no, <laughs> they just have not had Terry's chocolate orange. They weren't brought up on it, were they? No, you know we we know. I mean, you know that sort of it's not your it's not it's not yours. It's Terry's or whatever the line was, yeah. which uh, was in the advertising years uh, ago. You know we are we are we are you know chocolate and orange is a mm, British thing. Mm, mm. Yeah, it's like Marmite. You got you brought up on it as a baby. That's it then. So, we're just going to hand over to you now. So, so you are making completely different to this, the most amazing burger, aren't you? We are indeed. I'm, and it's a big, big thing in in America. I know, and people are trying to do it over here. Um, but same thing, you know, as Joe, people are looking to have probably the same type of thing they used to have, but in but in a in, you know in a healthier version. So why did you home in on the burger? Do you want to explain exactly what you've managed to produce, which is really interesting? So we are a food technology company. So we are producing extruded proteins uh, and, and manufacturing them in a certain way where we can replicate the texture and the fibre of actual real animal meat. So it's, it's no secret that um, we're not going to be able to feed the 9.8 billion people that are going to be living on the planet in 20 years using our current methods, uh, for instance. We're um, going to run out of cows, aren't we, let's face it. Well, we are, indeed. And land and water and all the stuff that goes with it. Absolutely right. Yeah. Uh, cows are, are the most resource-destructive uh, animals on the planet. Mm. Uh, the amount of water they consume, the, the amount of feed, and they take 24 months to, to grow. So if you want to make a burger from a cow, you're going to have to wait 24 months. And two, the gases two they years. produce as well. The gases, the methane, mm. uh, it's 23 times more potent than CO2. And all the waste from the cows, where does all that go? And in certain countries, it goes straight out into the sea and the rivers. Mm, lovely. So we're not going to be able to feed the population using our current methods of intensive farming. And along with all the, the hormones and the antibiotics that people are becoming more aware of, which are being used in in animal production, uh, people are looking for alternatives, whether it is for the environment, whether it's for their health, or whether it's for the animals, there are more and more alternatives that are uh, coming available on the market. And we're at the forefront of this innovation. We've been uh, working on this technology for three years. Wow. And uh, it, took us, it took us an awful long time to get there, being from the detergent industry myself. Um, I had to work with an awful lot of consultants and, uh, and understand the technicalities of, of meat 
and taking apart. By, by that, do you mean understand how meat um, works, as in its yes. texture, its smell, what happens to it scientifically when it cooks? You know, really getting underneath the sort of chemical, physical, all sorts of things, you know, scientific stuff about actually what meat is and what happens to it when we cook it. And is that is that what you were saying in terms yes. of technical? It's technical. It, for, for me, pers- it was uh, for the company. It was about the fibre, the structure of it, more right. more so. Um, how it was actually binding together and how the fat was actually bound into the the actual muscle fibre. And our, our goal initially was to create uh, a, a, a British sausage that was uh, that no one could differentiate from an original, um, which we actually which we actually do have under, under under wraps. Because because that surely is the key. Is that is that people want it to look, taste, smell, have the texture, etc., 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 bite, mouthfeel, all oh, that no. sort of stuff. Yes. Indeed. So, indeed, if, indeed. If they're going to swap. If they're going to swap. So where I came from um, in the beginning, if someone is first of all looking to go vegetarian, vegan or flexitarian or just reduce their meat consumption by going meat-free Monday, the first thing they look to do is to replace what they're currently eating, beef burgers or pork sausages, with something that tastes similar but without the guilt. Um, and and about three years ago on the market there was nothing if you went vegetarian and you went to the supermarket you were faced with uh, you know choosing a cardboard Lin- Lin- Linda McCartney vegetarian sausage is probably the only option I, I'm not going to mention corn. any brands yep. but, well we um, are so you can mention <laughs> what you want <laughs> um, but what I would say I mean, there wasn't to be to there, cut wasn't, across, hard, there wasn't innovation and oh. I, but, yeah. but I also think there wasn't demand I would argue so oh. I, th- I think that the the demand has, has changed. I mean, there's been yeah. a step change, I would say. You know, Meat-Free Mondays is not a new thing. It's been going on for 10, mm. 12 years, probably. But I think that in the last two years, there's been a real movement, yes, towards more vocal vegans, but also more towards people saying, I want to reduce the amount of meat I consume. Mm. And that has that's clearly grown in the last few years. It's got beyond what I'll call, you know, the 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 Chiswick, mm. the Chiswick Islington Bell. Um, but I think my my broader. sort of point, which I, I was trying to make, is that um, if you're vegan, you, you're you're probably quite happy going on, you know, and sort of whatever, getting yeah, plant based. Yes. Sort of. If you're trying to make a move to cut down on meat, and you're you're naturally, you know, you love meat, and you're a bit of a carnivore, um, you are naturally going to look for something that feels like meat, tastes like meat, da, 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 which is a slightly different market, I, yeah, I, I would say. So that, that's what I was trying to say, Simeon. Yeah. So we're aiming our products at the carnivore, omnivore market, people who uh, are actually looking to cut down. So, for example, our burger is available in one of the most uh, carniv- can- carnivore play- carnivorous yes. places <laughs> in London um, called Dirty Bones, and it's on the menu there. And that, and we're the second best-selling item on the menu already. Wow! Uh, so that shows you that people are are, are looking to change their their diets, um, and uh, it's so we're predominantly going to be into 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 restaurants where different chefs can have their own. To be perfectly on honest with you, if if so, I is it so you're going you're going B to B? You're not going. This is not going to be available in supermarkets yet, or will be available in supermarkets. There aren't any plans for for that at so the moment. Business, we're, yeah. yeah, we're going into retail where where each chef can have their own take on the particular product yeah. because 
when you're serving, so even though we've started developing a, a structure, we can actually use that fiber that we've created for many different things like, so for at the moment in, in Dirty Bones, it's the burger, which um, looks like meat, smells like meat, it, it sizzles like meat, it browns off like real meat. And those are really difficult things to achieve. Well, it is, but really when you're difficult. when you're when you're um, eating a burger, only kind of twenty percent of the whole experience is the is the patty. Yeah. So it's about the bun, the smell, yeah. how it's served, how it looks. Um, so at the moment, when we get it out into into restaurant chains, um, people are, you know, are amazed by it, by the whole serve. And I think one restaurant serving it with vegan mac and cheese, and and then maybe eventually there would be a, a, an option for people to mm. to purchase this. Uh, I mean, because what I was going to say was, if if I if I thought there was a vegan alternative that actually tasted exactly like a like a normal you know beef burger, mm. I would choose the vegan alternative. Well, I wouldn't want to choose the meat uh, if if it reacted the same, uh, you know, and mm. smelt the same and all that. I'd be quite happy to do that. Uh, it's just it's, I've never come across it before. Well, no, it's also <laughs> and he also hasn't bought well. any. Um, mm. I wasn't I'm, aware you had cooking I'm, facilities I'm joking, here, I'm but joking. I would have. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's hard. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it, be, it would be really interesting to actually to yeah. try it because I think so. At the moment, where can you? So you said dirty burger, D- uh, dirty bones, dirty bones, dirty, dirty bones. bones, which is just down the road from you here. Yep. Um, uh, and also in some various other locations that are available on our website. Um, there's also an excellent chef that's serving it in Lucky Beach in Brighton. Okay. Um, okay where cool. He's actually uh, serving it in seven different serves, um, which is amazing. So you can get it in one style, an Asian style, a Diablo hot style, um, a, a different Lucky Beach style. Um, it's... Um, yeah, That's it's, really it's the place to. Uh, it's the place so, to so go. you might you might want to know, Ollie, that um, basically that there's a base of coconut oil, and that gives it that sort of fatty consistency because mm. you need that, that sort mm. of juiciness. Um, and then you've got beetroot juice, which which actually allows it to bleed at the centre, which which a lot of people quite like that, don't they? Um, yes. And then you've yeah. got plant proteins, mushrooms that, that that give that sort of succulent texture. So the full ingredient list is mushroom, pea protein. You've got soy protein, coconut oil, beetroot, and and then obviously you've got herbs and and spices and other things. But yeah. but but that's a real sort of bit of innovation where you've had to get all those ingredients working well together to try and recreate what a piece of meat would do, cook like, smell like, and all that sort of stuff. Yes, indeed, it's it's taken an awful long time. Can you imagine? Um, we yeah, we were working on it what, three years ago, and there were rumours that um, the uh, there were two products coming out in America. Uh, which weren't actually out at the time. And uh, we thought, well, you know, if they can do it, we can do it. But um, it's it's certainly been really hu- tough. It's the toughest thing I've ever, ever done in my life of running companies. And I've been, it's, it's been an uphill battle for the reason that I had, I, I had met so many protein technologists and they had said to me, I said, well, I want, I want it to look like this. I want it to do that. I want it to be that shape. And they, I was just told it was impossible. Um, uh, but like I said, well, no, it is, it is possible. And I still face that every time I'm at the yeah. factory on a, on a regular basis. I'm told we can't do things. And it's so good that I'm actually I'm outside the food industry, so I haven't come from the food yeah, industry. Yeah, maybe that helps, actually. Yes. So if, if you're in the food industry, you'll say, well, why would you want to replicate a burger from plants when you can go and eat a beef burger? Mm. Um, whereas my desire and my passions have led me to... As but as you said, Ollie, that attitude's changed now. That is, but but I think I think you're 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 right in the sense that we're talking about two different markets. The vegan, pure market, 
wants plants. They want mm. they want low intensity produced things that have that deliver on various taste profiles. You know, if you come from the world of, of meat eaters and omnivores, actually, you know, as we know, over thirty percent of people are trying to eat less meat nowadays. And therefore that is the group of people who understand the taste profiles of meat and therefore want something that at least starts in that place. You know, I don't think that's the only destination in ways in which, you know, to satisfy the need to eat less meat. You know, look, I think the biggest challenge is getting people to understand how to cook a vegetable better and understand yeah, how to do interesting vegetable help. cooking because, no, look, you steam a vegetable, you know, yeah. I mean, even that kills it. You know, actually, as a, as a, as a convert to sous vide food, so I know that actually, you know, you're, you know, you're, you're, sous, you're sous viding your carrots and, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, but actually, I, I think that's what's really interesting about it. I mean, how are, so when you go and see chefs, uh, are they really embracing the, the I bet the they're product? sceptical to start with, aren't they? They're, they're really surprised. First of all, they think, oh, he's coming with a new bean burger, like a squashed falafel or something, which is, which is great for some people who like that. But it's personally not my cup of tea. But first of all, that's what they think. But there's been an awful lot of press that's been written about us that they're actually contacting us and saying, can we, can we see the product? Can we do a demo? Can we, can we have a look? And, you know, we're getting emails constantly every day from people, from chefs wanting to, to try the product. Um, first of all, when they see it, they're kind of bemused by it, first of all, because of how it looks, and it looks quite realistic, and they want to see it cook. And I, I think they kind of feel that, um, hmm, interesting, they can do it. Um, but I think they give it a go themselves with the similar ingredients to us, and, and uh, it doesn't work. Um, uh, but I think they're, they're very, very interested. They know this is a growing space. There's been, an, there's been a lot of press um, all, over, all over the world about these products. Mm. So. Joe, have you got any, any thoughts on this sort of revolution? I mean, in a way, I think Simeon's trying to do what you're doing. Is, is, is Can I do this realistically? Can I do this you know, healthily in, in, a, in a sector that everybody's very used to and is, is, you know got their thoughts about? Yeah, well, uh, I think, first of all, and I, I want to find out where this dirty bones place is. I think because um, I'd, I'd love just listening to Simeon talk about it and the passion and, and the investment of time and effort behind the product. I'm, well, I'm really intrigued to try it because I'm, I think I'm just cutting across you. Sorry, but movingmountainsfoods.com. If you go yeah. on there, there's some great videos to watch Perfect. actually. So no, have a look at that. That's quite interesting. Yeah, yeah it, 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 I think I, I'm 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 like the rest of, of the kind of the UK and, and and Europe and the world now in that. You watch Cansferiously on on Netflix. You kind of everyone's in, increasing their awareness and education in the space around, you know, the meat industry and, and and looking at alternatives. It's not about, you know, for me, it's definitely not about cutting out entirely. But but you are actively looking for for choices for switches that you can make that, that you feel great about. And um, because meat should be a treat. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and and, and just because the technology and, and the awareness and the, the way we cook and you know educate around the cooking of, of, of these kind of plant based alternatives is improving as well. So there are obviously great options out there for consumers. Now, Ollie, in the news a few weeks ago, um, it was said that Sainsbury's are going to sell their first ever fresh bleeding fake burger, as they call it. But they're actually going to put it next to the real meat version in their cabinets. What's your thoughts on that? I think that's right. I think, yeah. you know, in the end, if you're trying to target... I mean, look, it's like there's the free-from aisle in the supermarkets, yeah. like to some kind of, you know, minority group. I mean, it's uh, actually... The truth is, get this stuff in the main aisles. People walk in, they go, OK, what, you know, I'm looking for my chicken for the weekend. And they see this and they go, ooh, you know, those are the highest traffic places in the stores. That's where you've, you know... I mean, I think the interesting thing is when you start selling them to butchers, 
you know, that's Simeon, the bit that actually. Get in there, get in there. <laughs> I mean, it's but it's quite interesting because look, the you know yeah. the interesting thing is is that you know the, the you know the top end voters believe in quality, um, and you know actually, I've you know there are lots of. Um, um, who's the, is it Mackades, your friends down in... Mackades, yeah, down in Faversham. It's those amazing. sorts of people, They'd I think, that on, actually, actually. Would, would really, you know, be interested in that mm. because you need to be in, in the right kind of environment. But I think, you know, it's... So what? So, so you, you said you're getting a constant stream of um, of people phoning you and wanting to, to you to demo the product. Mm. What's holding back the growth of the... You know, can you meet demand? Is that... Is that Certainly, a, yeah. We're able to, to, to scale. Um, it's the length of time that... Uh, some chains take to decide on their menu changes. Oh, for goodness sake, get I a know, move on, chains. Um, we even, get with it. We've we got loads of customers out there. We menu cards, which I have. This is an example of a menu card, which we say that you don't need to change your menu. You can put that menu card in um, and then just, oh, just serve God. it like that. They, they, do, they do drag their heels. We are still about two years behind America in the plant-based movement and, and mm. everything like that. They are kind of leading the way, but it is all European technology, by the way. Well, fascinating stuff. We're going to hear loads more about um, vegan burgers, I'm sure, because because burgers are just intrinsic to people's ordering when they go out, aren't they? they you've got to have one on the menu. That seems. Yeah, to be no, the I'm, same. I'm I'm really keen to get you to come around, you know, to to you know to test this to actually sort of see what you know because you know we we you know we're a, we're a hardcore foodie organisation that really believes in kind of quality, um, and it'd be really interesting to see actually what do. What do top end chefs? What do those kind of people think about this kind of thing? That's an interesting thing, Simeon, you know, because because um, obviously great British chefs that that Ollie runs, mm. full of amazing chefs. It'd be interesting if you had a yeah. What, event, what, what do they actually think yeah. of this kind of stuff? Because it's I think you know as as you say you know a lot of this stuff is sort of you know slightly breakable patties and um, you know actually a lot of it's you know can be rubbish. But I also think you know at the other end of the spectrum, most beef burgers are terrible. You know, oh, yeah. if you if I you agree. you know, mm-hmm. I mean, I remember having to eat, I eat I, I ate at Wembley once, going to a concert, and the whole patty fell apart. And I remember so tweeting angrily, on. you know, mm. to to the head of um, whichever corporation it was that made the um, the food there. Um, and and actually, you know, the, you know, the, the one good thing is you're actually the quality of burgers generally is pretty rubbish, actually. So you know, it's rare that you get a really good one. So if you're producing that's really like a good burger, that's a massive step change. Yeah, it's crazy. In the, they are made. Yeah, the grinding here in the UK is is much it's much smaller. So um, the the patties, the actual beef, when they grind it, they're grinding up all the fat and all the gristle to make the lowest quality burger they possibly can. It's, it's all about price. Yes, it's all about yeah. price and <coughs> having it as cheap as possible. Well, moving um, on because that made me feel slightly sick. <laughs> I'd go for your vegan burger, <coughs> definitely, oh. because because of the, you know, just because of the content and it's you know you know the quality is going to be better than some cheap bit of whatever meat they put in it. No, I think your point, which goes, if there isn't, if you're making no taste trade, yeah, and you're getting all upside, no trade off, yeah, you know, then mm. it's an open door, isn't it? Mm. And zero cholesterol as well, because another reason I should mention why I was interested in this is about. Four years ago, I went for a cholesterol test, and uh, it came back at 6.9, which was really quite scary. Um, I didn't know what it meant, and the doctor said, oh, it's 6.9. And he said to me, okay, the first thing you've got to do is cut out meat and dairy. And I said, well, I've already cut out meat. And he said, right, we've got to cut out eggs and, and some other things as well. And I didn't realise... Slightly simplistic advice there. <laughs> and I didn't actually realise that there is almost your... Uh, in, in one egg, there's 160 milligrams of cholesterol, which is almost your daily allowance. So um, I stopped eating eggs. You won't um, catch me stop eating eggs. <laughs> Definitely have a couple of eggs for breakfast. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> What's your um, favourite way of having eggs? 
Soldiers, dippy, into really? boiled eggs. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I'm afraid I disagree with that advice about not eating eggs, but uh, we're, we're, we're not. Uh, but again, another we're one. not suggesting any health tips on but this. But I think again, obviously. this is what's interesting: is that these things are, so. are cyclical, isn't it? Like ten years ago, we were told to not eat eggs. Pregnant women could not eat, you know, raw mm. egg or you know, semi, you know, runny yolks. Now that's totally changed. Yeah, because salmonella has I mean, been eliminated. Yeah, and it's, but it's interesting. You know, this stuff does change, and, yeah. and I think this is, you know. I think this is, you know, you are on, on the edge of a, on another revolution and it will be, Definitely. it'll be weird to look back, I think, in 10 years to look at our meat eating habits today and see where they are in, in 10, 10 years. years time. Well, that's a very good place to end the programme. We could carry on forever on that particular topic. So, um, Simeon van der Molen, thank you very much from Moving Mountains. I would advise you to go on to movingmountainsfoods.com. And they've got a little section on plant-based diets. Um, and, and there's some really interesting stuff on there. There's a video of the burger in action. So, Joe Taylor, if you want to find out exactly what it looks like, go and have a look on that. And and that's Joe Taylor of Real Handful. And that's realhandful.com. I know your website's under construction at the moment, but it will be set, all set up for fairly soon. Very good. <laughs> and um, I've just had some of those um, lovely things. They're very colourful. Good for kids as well, actually. Quite, quite attractive to kids, I would imagine. Yeah, Be careful because it's not. New news there later this year. Mm, very good. Uh, very good. Um, so you've been listening to the Food Talk programme and uh, that's about, well, we've had burgers, nuts and all sorts and Iron and Man eggs. and eggs. And, and Sue is actually doing an Iron Man in a few weeks. So. <laughs> Iron Man for the over 55s. Yes, of course I am. Um, you've been listening to the Food Talk Show. Shut up, Ollie. Which is now syndicated um, to lots of radio stations, but the best place to do is listen to it on your iPhone, uh, on your podcast app, or at uh, iTunes. And thank you so much. I hate you, though. Ollie Lloyd of Great British Chefs, thank you for joining me as my co presenter. It's been great being with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, if you've got any friends, other, uh, proper friends, unlike Ollie, and they're doing something really interesting and groundbreaking, please get in touch with us via Twitter on at Food Talk Show because we'd love to feature them. And if you want to listen to any of our hundreds of podcasts, go to foodtalk.co.uk. Have a good week now. Bye. <laughs>